This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 8, Surrender. It's been a long time since we all sat around a table like this. Too long, really. By far. I am so grateful to be here. Hardship may have brought me here, but I want you all to know that there wasn't a day all those years that I didn't miss all of you. And we missed you too. I even found myself talking to you on my darkest days. Well, on my happiest ones too. It turns out you give really good advice even when you're not there. So you were always in my heart when it mattered. I have slaughtered countless enemies over the years and considered sending their heads to all of you. But I was advised that that was passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> all that matters is that we are together once more. Because I need you. All of you. Welcome back, fellow Trekkies, Trekkers, and everything in between. This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 8, Surrender. I am one of your hosts, Chris. I am one of your other hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. I am your third and final host, John. So does the fact that Chris is here this week confirm that we're all now shapeshifters, or confirm that that we got Chris back and we're all not shapeshifters? I don't know. I've not been able to uh, question him thoroughly enough. <laughs> what did I eat for that wood weekend I came over? <laughs> God, even I couldn't remember that. No. That's, a, no. That's a long time ago. Just assume, assume everyone is either a scroll. I, I was going to say scroll, but no, a no, changed. Changing, yes. I actually yes. remember. Oh, really? What, what was it? It was quesadillas. It yes, was Super Bowl night. Oh wow! Super Bowl night. But I also had a lot of nachos too. Mm. I, so both answers are correct. But that's a snack, not something lovingly cooked for you, like I did. Yes, you lovingly cooked the nachos. You put them in. You added the true. cheese. <laughs> yeah, we added the refried beans. I dunked them out the of the corner. package. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hang on, I think it's... I did that. No. Okay. You did it the first time. I did it the second time. I got second you. Time. I got you. I got you. Good stuff. Well, the fact that he knows all that extra detail proves that he's not a changeling, basically. So, welcome yes. back, Chris. Nice yes. to have you thank back. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to chatting all about this episode. But before we do, don't forget for any of our listeners, if you haven't yet, head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and you can subscribe on any Federation or Changeling supporting podcast player. Yes, and if you want to send us your feedback to this show, this episode, or anything in between, you can send us your emails to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. 
dot com or you can head on over to facebook.com slash group slash tv podcast industries where we have each and every episode we have some feedback posts and you can put it in there and we'll read it out on the airways but as a reminder <laughs> the eighth question for our Picard final 10 forward pub quiz will be available later this episode make sure you gather all 10 answers to the pub quiz questions at the end of the season email them to us at feedback at tv podcast industries Dot com and you can be in a chance of getting your hands on some good Star Trek Picard goodies. Yes, you can. If you want to know all the questions, you can head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com. Up in the corner, under Pub Quiz, we list them out. And that is all done by our illustrious co-host and editor supreme and developer supreme, <laughs> Derek. Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, yeah. It is all done done by me, yes. But uh, thank you, give, thank you for giving me all of the the credits for it. <laughs> John at least comes yeah, up with most it. of the questions, so that's helpful. Yes, but you type them out. <laughs> no, I do. But that's my one role. Oh, oh, that's my one role. That's my one role. Yes, you type. Ding, you ding, 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 you ding, type ding, out ding, the ding, thing ding, ding. very slowly. But we're not here to talk about your lack of typing skills. We're here to talk about. Episode 8, Surrender. So, let's dive straight into it. Derek, do you want to give us the episode details of who gave us what, where, and how? Of course, yes. The series is created by Akiva Guldsman, Michael Shabon, Krista Bayer, and Alex Kurtzman. The story for this episode was written by Matt Okamoro. Uh, he is a story editor on Season 2 and Season 3 of the show. Also wrote uh, Season 2, Episode 9, Hide and Seek, which is a pretty good episode of, uh, of Season 2. It was, actually, yeah. yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. And done another good job here. Yes, definitely. Yeah, this is definitely a good one. And this episode was directed once again by Deborah Campmeyer, who uh, directed episode seven as well. So uh, we talked all about her last week. Yes, and you can see her hand all over it. Very similar style, very similar uh, to episode seven. Mm -hmm. Yes, almost a very similar ending as well. Yes, we shall Mm. talk about that. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Star Trek Picard season three, episode eight? Sure. With Vadik in control of the USS Titan and its systems, she begins to hunt the remaining Starfleet crew and collect her prize, Jack Crusher. Elsewhere on the Titan, Jean-Luc Picard and Beverly Crusher, joined by Jack and Sidney LaForge, are shut out of the Titan by law. They are powerless to wrestle back control of the Titan, and then Vadik forces Picard to make an impossible choice, to deliver his son into her custody or watch the crew held on the bridge get executed one by one every ten minutes. Meanwhile, on board the Shrike, Will Riker and Deanna Troy are held captive. Recovering from their interrogation, both begin to confront the distance that had developed between them following the death of their son. They also are very confident that Picard will be able to counter Vadic's use of the compromise codes given by Will to stop the torture of Deanna. As a guard comes to collect Deanna for further interrogation, he is killed by Worf, who rescues them from their cell. Along with Raffi, they escape the Shrike to the Titan, on board a cloaked shuttle with intel on the changeling's autopsy of Picard's biological body. Things on the Titan begin to get far worse as Vadik executes her first hostage, Lieutenant Tavine, on the bridge. To combat Vadik, Jack tries to use his ability to connect with Lieutenant Moura on the bridge to use Picard's override command codes, but his attempt fails. Increasingly desperate, Picard, Beverly, Jack and Sidney locate Geordie LaForge. 
They devise a plan to breach the firewall between Data and Law in the hope that Data will prevail and be able to hack the command controls on board the Titan, while Jack heads to the bridge to give himself over to Vadik. On the bridge, Jack threatens Vadik to get the crew to safety by holding what appears to be an explosive grenade. At the same time, Data manages to trick Law to assume control of the Golem. As Data regains control of the Titan systems, Jack tricks Vadik, activating a force field around him as Data opens the bridge's emergency evacuation system, sending Vadik shooting out into space, where she freezes and shatters to death. Back on the Titan, Captain Shaw gives Commander Seven of Nine the pleasure of firing on and destroying the Shrike. Together again, Picard, Beverly, Geordie, Will, Worf, Deanna and Data agree that whatever the Changelings have planned is directly linked to Jack's abilities and must be stopped. As they continue to examine the information obtained from the Shrike, Deanna sits down with Jack to connect to him, understand the darkness that surrounds him, and to help him find out what's behind the red door. I sense a darkness around you. I do. I think behind the red door is probably Sandy Toxvig uh, from number 73. Interesting. It would be nice if there was number nine in the front of it, and then we could have an an episode of Inside Number Nine on the Titan. Yeah, it would. Lots of good British shows there uh, for our (laughs) wonderful British listeners. (laughs) Yes, very much Certainly number 73 is going back to the childhood days. But mm. I suspect something a lot darker than a Saturday primetime children's TV show. Right. Yes. So definitely something more akin to Inside Number 9. Yes. Okay. And I do have some th- theories about the darkness and what that darkness is and who this darkness is. Well, exactly. I, I'm seeing lots of theories mm-hmm. out there, which I'm trying not to see. Uh, I can't uh, unsee some of them. So, Do you uh, want me to just like tell you my one? <laughs> <laughs> or shall I hold off my theory? Because that's kind of what we do here. <laughs> yes, well, we can get to that, because you do have that as one of your points, I believe, mm-hmm. um, I a- around the red door. So mm. all will what be revealed. The- yes, I do want to do a seven, but that's all the way in the future. Okay. Until that point, let's get into our discussion points for this episode. Make it so, number one. Let's kick off with our small moment for this episode. John, do you want to take us away? Yes, uh, I'll, I'll kick off. Uh, whatever about Jack's darkness, I think the episode opens uh, really quite dark. And I, I've gone with methodical Vadic. Um, mm-hmm. I just love the line as she says, first, let's take their eyes. As the image switches to all the lights going off on the Titan mm-hmm. to then the, and next their ears as their communications go down. Uh, and finally, their way forward as she closes off escape routes that the the Starfleet crew aboard uh, the Titan are, you know, as they're trying to escape mm-hmm. from her her soldiers that are hunting them down. And I just loved how that played that methodical sort of patter of of uh, Vadic here. You know, oh, yeah. it, just the, even the way she's got that tune in her, in her head as she yeah. uses her fingers to kind of tap it out. Um, this, this methodic, rhythmic sort of hunting and dissection of the remaining crew outside of the bridge uh, being hunted uh, by, by her her soldiers mm-hmm. uh, and i just thought it was really really well done i uh, just loved how it was delivered by amanda Plummer as so well so good so yeah. good 
Yeah, that was actually one of the points I wanted to bring. It's just Amanda Plummer. We haven't talked much about her. We talked about her, each of the deliveries, but actually, like, when you look back on it now, mm-hmm. like, she's been at, like, a top class, like, I would, like, A-tier kind of villain. Absolutely. For Star Trek now, across, she would be up there with me, like, come <laughs> well, And definitely. kind of, like, board, the OG Borg Queen, and mm-hmm. some of those ones who, like, ooze delivery of their lines eat the and i i, I was going to say chew the scenery but mm-hmm. more not in a bad way but really take on you, you're forced to listen to them when they mm-hmm. deliver these monologues and soliloquies kind of very much you're you're drawn and to listen to that narrative Absolutely. definitely like yeah. i mean she really imposes herself on yes. the scenes but mm-hmm. in yeah. really sort of good meaningful way like because that's what that character demands she is you know, maybe technically second in command of this, she formed this breakaway sect mm-hmm. uh, from her time and horrific experiences on Daystrom Station. So, yeah. you know, this is uh, a person who also should be immensely charismatic because of the the sect that she leads. Um, you know, she's persuasive, and I, I think... Um, you know, you really get that through in, in this episode. Mm. Uh, not so much with the, these lines. This is just sort of methodical threat. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it being enacted. Absolutely. Uh, to show there's no messing around. And she does that through this, this episode, mm-hmm. but is also, um, you know, hugely persuasive, uh, sort of with Jack later on, you know, in terms of, or at least she thinks she is. Um, yeah. so I, I really just enjoyed, uh, this little sequence um i also just thought again and again i just thought amanda Plummer was superb i mean yeah. even just that opening where it's looking out to space and then you see the reflection of her and then the lighter um sort of firing up as she uh lights her cigarette um as she sat in the, the you know the captain's chair on the titan mm. uh that was just really really good is the Titan the most captained ship in all of Starfleet by now? We're only eight episodes into the show, and it's had Shaw, Riker, and uh, Vadak now as as proclaimed captains of the ship, right? At some yeah, point. But, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I think Picard actually didn't proclaim himself captain. It was only Riker, right? He was kicked off yeah. the bridge by Riker. So, yes. um, so, no, he hasn't been captain. So, at least we've had three in eight episodes. It was quite a lot. Yeah, and you could do Picard and Seven if you really want to get pedantic in terms mm. of charge yes. control. Yes, yes, Seven has also taken the captain's chair yeah. uh, and a couple of points as well. So yeah, yeah. hey, hey, even Jack did. Jack sat in it Ooh. for a bit. Yeah, you <laughs> that is true. <laughs> he was kicked out of that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff, but great point, and I love her additional threats as well when she's effectively, obviously, in control of the system. When she's saying to them, you know, I could turn the heat up and boil you alive. I could turn the uh, the heat down and and uh, and freeze you to death. You know, she's totally in control of this ship and yeah. the threats that exude from her as the episode goes on are great. But those specifically where she's calling it out like a nursery rhyme take where their eyes, their ears and their way forward is fantastic opening. But that's episode. it. And even then with, you know, the, the, cr- the bridge crew that are there with her as she mm. kind of goes to Picard, you know, the thing that will intrigue me is which of the officers here with me you'll miss most, mm. you know? Uh, so, yeah. yeah, really, really good. Yeah, Chris, how about yourself? What's your uh, what's your number one moment, your your small moment from the episode? I'm just going to take a, a, a bit of humour where we, we see 
uh, Jordy go, Data, you used a contraction. Mm-hmm. And he appears, I can use contraction now. And humor. Yes, yes. Like, responds from Data. And it's just a fun, it's a fun nod back to, like, all those conversations between Jordy and Data where it would be a joke and mm-hmm. yeah. Data couldn't understand a joke or tell a joke and didn't get it yep. and then couldn't use contractions. So just fun nod, but, like, even those who probably don't get it probably still find some humor in it, but really for those who have watched most of The Next Generation, mm-hmm. this is a very nice, just a callback nostalgia piece, but now also showing how data has evolved. Absolutely. So just a very small bit, but love it. Yeah, and, and, and as far as I remember, it used to be a thing amongst fans trying to point out that data has used contractions before, and it was usually a bit of a flub because yeah. he's not supposed to. So they always tried really hard for him not to uh, not to say contractions. So um, so it is it is fun here that they're kind of nodding back to that, that they don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> he's evolved. Yeah. We're grand now. We can we can shorten our words down. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, But I'm, I'm sure I remember uh, forums at the time uh, when Next Generation was on talking about a moment when Data may have uh, mistakenly said a contraction uh, when he's not supposed to. Because he is just a human actor played by Red Spider, and they are human writers uh, writing the dialogue. So occasionally, it may have they may have fluffed it uh, once or yes. twice when people wouldn't have expected to notice in a twenty-five episode season that someone said it once. <laughs> and in case you are uh, young, um, a forum was uh, basically <laughs> where we used to go and talk about these shows and things like that back in the wee days before social media. It was like a written podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. It was, it was, think Reddit, but one per topic usually, mm-hmm. and or like before MySpace, before Bebo, like these were the OG social media nerd spots. There you go. There you go. And before that, it would have been CB Radio. Really? Yes. Yeah, and then did okay. not just shout out to the stars. And I then, like Star Trek. <laughs> and then, no, no, no. <laughs> they had a string with two cans. Yeah, no, did you would, enjoy this show? I did. Did it? It would have been CB radio, and <laughs> occasionally you would get sort of a dodgy trucker coming on, going, "Oh, it's Salia." <laughs> <laughs> All right, breaker, breaker. We're going to move on to Derek's point <laughs> yeah. here because we need to get into move forward in this conversation. There you go, Derek. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to tell us your point for this episode? That's a good plan. A good plan. Um, so we've moved from darkness to humor. Um, I'm going to go for reconciliation as my as my first point. Um, we have the meeting of Riker and Troy properly in this episode. I like that we have a moment between the two of them. Yeah. I love that it starts off with a bit of humor uh, in it when Riker goes uh, calls her Imzadi, a word that he's used to describe her since right back at the beginning of their relationship. And uh, Troy's response to it was, wow, I wish I told you one other Beta Z word, uh, taught you one other word to use, uh, then gives him the word, which is uh, Yantaru, and eventually explains that what that means is baby of immense size, (laughs) 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 which is absolutely useless. He never will be able to replace uh, Imzadi, his word of love for for Troy, with with a baby of immense size, (laughs) I don't think. Uh, But there is some other lovely pieces about this. You know, again, we've mentioned multiple times about how great Jonathan Frakes has been in this season. Um, Mm. But I think all the actors, when they're given these moments to, to actually have something to do with their character and talk up talk between each other it's something that you kind of miss when you just have them as cameos uh coming on board you know we only got one line from diana uh when she appeared last time uh with yeah. her oh will moment um but here this this moment between the two of them where she's explaining when the changelings arrived uh as uh as riker 
um, to their home. Uh, she jokes that she uh, that she didn't couldn't tell them apart. They did a great job, but they're good in bed and bad at cooking, uh, just like him. So uh, then she jokes saying, "I knew instantly it wasn't you. Didn't have the same aura around them, and I can't read changelings." Um, but then it turns into that conversation about their loss as a couple. We now know why Riker disappeared away. He ran from uh, from Troy because she was pushing his emotions down. Um, for the loss of their son, their son Thad, she had never allowed him to properly experience the grief of losing uh, of losing his son. It's interesting, isn't it? That that's that's an ability of Troy's. Um, as a counselor, she would normally counsel people, but she can also suppress the feelings and felt that that would be the better thing to do for him. Mm. But I like that having the conversation between the two of them. She admits that she did something wrong. She admits that she overstepped the mark. She should have known from her training that. That's not what you do when you're counseling well, someone. Well, that's it. Yeah. Like, actually, I love that line that she used where she says, you know, as, as a counselor, I should re- have realized you can't skip to the end of healing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go through the nuts and bolts of it. So, yeah, yeah no, I love that. And I mean, I've always loved Deanna Troy because mm-hmm. she's, there's always been this inherent, um, I, I think it's twofold because of the serious moments, that empathetic level because mm-hmm. of of her species but she's always had that glint of cheekiness Mm -hmm. as well in in her eyes and you see that through this episode at different points like when when Worf arrives Mm -hmm. and I just love the character and Marina Circus for for just this portrayal of 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 this character as well I really really enjoy her when I see her um, e- even back in season one, even though it was just a small amount of time, mm-hmm. I just loved that. I mean, again, I love where they kind of reconnect over the fact that they don't really like the house that they're, oh, yes. they're living <laughs> in uh, on the planet that they're on yeah. um, because they were really there for their son, mm-hmm. uh, not for them. And she she just goes... The foyer is very judgy. <laughs> I'm trying to think back to season one yeah. with the house. And uh-huh. I was like, I don't remember how judgy the foyer was. But yes, uh, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have described it like that. Like, I remember being as like a, a, a wood cabin on a planet yeah. that was absolutely empty um, and had a nice uh, had a nice fire, a nice fire pit to, to cook pizzas, uh, yes. a nice pizza oven, probably. And she wants um, city life again. Yes, she wants yeah. to be around people again. Yeah, not cutting themselves off. But I do think it's a really important moment to have these characters. And they've done this really well this season, is really respecting the characters, giving them all moments together. Um, and this is my small moment from the episode. There's a couple of other great big moments um, for these characters in this episode that I really enjoyed. Um, it's much better to do that. If you're going to give, if you're going to do fan service and bring characters back as cameos, that's great. But if you're going to do real fan service, bringing them back, as the characters we knew them as in the past and having resolutions and having time between these people to discuss their motivation and discuss what's going on between them. That's way, way better for me. So uh, if this is going to be the last run for TNG, I'm glad they have all got moments together. Yes. Yeah. Great. And before we move on to our medium points, I'll ask you guys one question. Mm-hmm. What's worse than a woodpecker? <laughs> a woodpecker with two heads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. That's a great joke. I like that. It was. It was good. Now, Let's move on to our Omega Directive, our medium points. Implement the Omega Directive immediately. John, do you want to give us your medium moment, your Omega Directive? 
Um, mine is my my amusing moment for this episode is we do get the reveal of Worf and Raffi's secret mission. Mm. In a sense, mm. we know they've kind of gone off Titan, um, as in USS Titan, yeah. rather than the planet uh, or the uh, moon. Yes. Uh, but they have you know gone off Titan on a secret mission. Well, weren't entirely sure what that was, but I'm guessing. It was somehow trying to shadow the Shrike, at least locate it, to find out where the body of Picard has has gone after being taken from Daystrom uh, Station. And it just so happens it is on the Shrike. Mm. So as luck would have it, Worf and Raffi are in the vicinity when... Uh, the, uh, dare I say it, the show is going down on the Titan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and indeed, this means the secret mission does come with a bonus mm-hmm. for them in that, uh, luckily for, uh, Riker and Troy, um, they do have Worf's battle prowess, yes, uh, to get them out of their, their, their cell effectively aboard the Shrike. So I, I like the fact that it's a, you know, second time this season where it's just the, um, he's just runs his Klingon weapon through mm. the back of the, the enemy. Yes. So, um, he is certainly nimble and fleet footed, yeah. uh, and is able to, to sort of sneak up. So he's a great warrior. He is a great warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was, we- was going to call it a battle and I know that's not the battle left. It's a brand new weapon it that is. was created for this season. And I just saw it on Twitter earlier on. I forgot to take it down a note of it yes. <laughs> about what the name of it is, but it's a cool weapon. It's a, it's a one handed sword effectively. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. So I really kind of, it just, this is the, the secret mission where they've, they've tracked his body or Picard's biological body to the Shrike and yeah. so are able to take, uh, information. I, from the the databanks uh, of, of the Shrike. So, mm. interestingly, we hear that they seem to have extracted parts of the the frontal lobe where the aromatic syndrome uh, would would form, mm. um, or in, the in, misdiagnosed aromatic in the brain, syndrome. or yes. the misdiagnosed exactly uh, mm. as we we heard. Uh, from last week. Mm-hmm. So they do find Picard's body. I don't think they brought it back onto the Titan. I don't think so. Um, but they did have their, their cloaked shuttle to, um, escape from the Shrike after the, the, the remaining soldiers aboard had realized that Will and Deanna had, uh, escaped their cell. So mm. managed to get back, uh, in time to help out with, uh, Sort of, and join up with, with, uh, Geordie, uh, and Picard mm-hmm. and Beverly. Uh, I, again, I really enjoyed just Deanna seeing Worf mm-hmm. as well. Uh, that was just a really nice moment. Again, like you say, just having those, uh, those little moments, uh, between the, the different, uh, characters yeah. is really, really good. Absolutely. And I think this was, you know, also, Sort of really good where Worf is explaining how he's taken the, the, the teachings of, of Deanna mm-hmm. to really help him become much more sort of 
centered and, and, and balanced. So, uh, yes. you know, you just see the face on Deanna kind of like, is this really happening? You know, like, oh. like she wasn't expecting it to ever happen. So, yeah. um, yeah. well, it's great. It's, it's the little love triangle really, uh, with Worf, yes. um, Riker and, uh, and Deanna. And I love, uh, Riker's brilliant line, uh, there where he says, Oh God! Is the torture over, or is this another part <laughs> of the torture? Uh, as uh, as um, Worf is kind of redeclaring his love for Diana in front of Riker, which yeah. is just really fun. I really like that. Yeah. So it was good to kind of just get some partial reveal of this secret mission that Worf and Raffi are now back aboard the Titan. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little convenient uh, where it is, but it makes sense though. I think it does. It makes more sense now that knowing that um that Vadic is effectively the leader of this sect. And mm-hmm. um, so she, you know, she would be involved in stealing that. She had the um the other piece of technology, the other weapon mm-hmm. as well. Exactly. So uh you know, it makes sense that the body is still aboard and um, the on on the shrike. Yeah. It, it, it's weird that they didn't reveal whether Picard's body was still in the Shrike when when it went at the end of the episode, or whether they took it off and put it on the ship. I know he has no need for the body. It's it's his former body, right? So uh, he doesn't necessarily need it or anything like that. But it's odd that they didn't kind of... Well, essentially, it's been, um, yeah, blown up. Yeah, we think. Yeah, we presume so. I assume. There's no need. I assume so. No yeah. I assume, it. yeah. It's like, it's already causing trouble. So it's like, yeah, just leave it there. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Make um, it a bit crispy. We, we Burn have, it to shreds. It'll be fine. We have the inf- information that we need from the databanks uh, on, on what, what they were doing with it. So, um, so the theory that we, that they had last week, um, that they were going to use the body for something. They were, they were using it for research to find out about this, uh, misdiagnosed dramatic syndrome, but they didn't actually need the corpse effectively, uh, to use that. Which yes. Is, uh, which is good. And of course, it all means that, you know, the focus really does become about Jack, you know, at at the start. And in in fact, even having the curveball that, well, they took Picard's body. Mm. Um, you know, the initial part of this season were with, with the, the focus, you know, with the different species, which were ultimately changelings going after, uh, Jack, Mm -hmm. you know, all, all of this. You know, it, it is consistent with that, and in fact, I guess the body of Picard, a little bit of a curveball in a sense. If yeah. you know there was um, any theories, I think probably like mine, uh, that it would be reanimated in some way, mm-hmm. or the just the pure sort of genetic sequence of him be mm-hmm. used to replicate him in some way. Um, but actually, yeah, it is about this misdiagnosed iromatic syndrome. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, that's my medium moment. Chris, what is yours? I'll go for... It's a quick medium, but it's definitely one that we weren't expecting, which is Vatic kind of killing the bridge officers. Mm. You don't usually get this in a Star Trek show, which is execution. Mm. And especially execution of a character who we've seen since the Titan has been kind of shown on screen Mm -hmm. so again not like a character who essentially could go forward to if they survived go on and be something but it's just Tavine Tavine is dead yes officer Tavine um Lieutenant Tavine Lieutenant Tavine 
is no more. Um, and again, Vatic being Vatic, pointing at one person, then last minute spinning on a dime and essentially shooting the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, not expecting it. Expecting a warning shot, expecting kind of, you're forging my hand, but again, because it's Star Trek, not getting that level of brutality, if we want to call it that, uh, mm-hmm. more sadism almost. Uh, but yeah, seeing that on screen, again, it's good shock for the soul. Absolutely. In terms of the narrative. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Like, ooh, ooh, that was, ooh, they, oh, they, they went with it. Cool. Okay. What's yeah. next? Like, like, like it was really weird. tense as yeah. well. I mean, super yeah. tense because, you know, Lieutenant Muir was in the picture. Mm-hmm. Ensign Esmar as well was the, was the other member of the crew mm-hmm. who was in the picture. And as you say, just that spin round. And I mean, for me, um, I wasn't even thinking about Tavine. I actually thought because there was a bit of camera focus happening on Seven of Nine and exactly. Captain Shaw, mm-hmm. uh, and because of the state of Captain Shaw after sort of um being beaten up by Vadik and a sort of right hand man, mm. uh, I actually was there was a moment where I thought, you know how you see Vadik kill the Daystrom uh, scientist by using like a pointy bit of her liquid form, her goo form, uh, it goes through her shoulder um, from the last episode. Mm. I thought all of a sudden something was going to come shooting out of Vadic. Right. I thought it was going to be more intimate, mm-hmm. I suppose, if you will, um, or, you know, that she would use her her form, her ability as a changeling to kill um, Captain Shaw. Right. Yeah. So there was a moment there where I thought, uh oh. Yeah. And when and when you kind of list out the people that she could have killed in that moment, everybody has a reason except for Tavine, which I like. Yeah. You know, um uh, Mura was the one that put in the code, um that almost gave the ship back. You have um and Snesmar who's crying in the corner about kind of a please don't kill me. She's terrified in that moment, which means that she would be attracting the attention um of uh, of Vadic. Um, obviously, yeah. Shaw and Seven very likely targets for her because they're going to cause the cause the most killing. The captain of the ship or one of the members of the uh, of the uh, most connected members of the crew that we have here to to Picard. You know, all of those people have reasons, but the fact that she kills Tavine, who makes no noise, um, Vulcan science officer, able to keep keep track of her emotion and is just killed out of hand. That almost is a statement in itself from Valak. I don't yeah. care which one of, which one of you kill, and any of you are on the chopping block. So it yeah. it really adds to that tension, I think, because she kills Tavine there. Great. But it is also really interesting as well if you think back all the way to Star Trek: The Original Series. The the Vulcan science officer on the original Enterprise was Spock. This is the Vulcan science officer aboard the Titan, and they're killing her right here. Yeah, I know lots of fans have been calling for the the Star Trek Legacy show, where which will go on after this show, where we have the crew of the Titan here who've all been introduced, all all had their announcements uh, as the as as casting uh, over the couple of weeks coming into this series. So lots of people thinking these people are going to go on uh, to create a new Star Trek series in the future and. Here we have one of them um, taken out. Well, absolutely. Like again, this is yeah, sure. You'll get you'll get your Star Trek Legacy series if enough of them are left, (laughs) and we get to the last episode and Mm -hmm. like there's one, and it's just it's not even going to be it's going to be Shaw. It's just going to be Shaw by himself, (laughs) like sitting on the like the deck of the bridge of the Titan after it's been ejected uh, and pushed down onto a planet like every <laughs> other kind of starship. <laughs> it's Shaw and Ensign, uh, Ensign the Forge. 
Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so that was my medium moment. Derek, what about yourself? Well, I, I said I was going to talk about character moments in this episode. Uh, none better for me in this episode uh, for my medium moment than the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation <laughs> Reunited. We have oh, an, yeah. an actual moment where we get the whole lot of them together. Amazing. And they take time uh, so everybody can have their discussion with each other. Everybody can say hello for the first time uh, if they haven't seen each other before. Um, we have, uh, obviously, Beverly and Deanna um, connecting with each other. Love Deanna's uh, call out to Beverly that she's always been in her mind over the course of the 20 years. She's always thought about her. She's talked to her day on day, asking yeah. what what she would say, showing the closeness of the two of them as friends uh, aboard the Enterprise many years ago. We obviously have the reuniting of Data and the Forge, which you talked about uh, earlier on, Chris. You know, that that is the opening moment for this for this reunion of everybody is the two of them walking to the room together, which is something you would see at the opening of almost every episode of Star Trek Next Generation would be the two of them having a conversation, walking to the room with the rest of the senior officers. So uh, I thought that was a nice callback in itself. Um, But yeah, it was great just to have everybody all around the big table, um, all uh, getting on the same side, uh, catching up with each other, making sure they talked about the time that they were apart and how much they all missed each other. I just thought that was great. And then it all ending with Picard going, now, my friends, I'm glad I have you all here. We now need to all work together to fix this problem, to solve this uh, this one last time. Well, that's it. It's like I literally just wrote uh, in my notes, the team are back together again. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then didn't take any more notes on it because it was just like, <laughs> I was just kind of like going, this is so good. Just great. Yeah. Um, and it, because of all the little interactions before just having them all around the table, uh, the, it is, you know, the team is back together mm-hmm. again yeah. and they're going to kick ass. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you, you get it from data where he's saying to Jordy, you know, the one constant, the one constant I've always had is the love of our friendship. Um, that's the one thing that stays the same about me. You have Worf with this excellent line of I've slaughtered countless enemies over the years and wanted to send you their heads, but was told that was passive aggressive. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely great. Really, really enjoyed it. But when you look around as well, you know, there would have been a possibility that they would have stuck in someone like um, Captain Shaw in there, or even Seven. You know, like Seven's a great character, of course, but Seven's not around that table. Even Jack's yep. not there, and Jack's now a major character in this series, being the son of yep. uh, of uh, Beverly and and, uh, and Picard. But they make sure this is just the senior bridge crew of uh, the of the Enterprise sitting around having a moment together. So well done, series. Yeah, uh, you have to do that. So well done yeah. to them. Definitely. No, yeah, and, and it served a purpose. Exactly. Because yeah. it also moves the story into, like, what's next? Exactly. Yeah. I feel if they had done that without the actual moving forward mm-hmm. to discuss the elephant in the room, yeah. Yeah. i.e. Jack, then I would have gone, oh, no, that was just... Yeah, fine, whatever. I wouldn't didn't need it. Exactly. Because they actually went, no, 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 this is all great. Can we actually kind of figure out what's happening because we've only got like frontier day in a couple of hours yeah, we can't have yeah, a round of traditional yeah. poker like we used to have on yeah. the enterprise to, exactly. to have our reunion which is honestly that is where they would have leaned into in the past oh, they would have had them yeah. reunite over a game of a game of cards um for 
a couple of minute scenes that they can all say hello to each other. But they, 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 they can still lean into that. They will. At the end when they yeah. are triumphant uh, yeah. with yeah. a bit of uh, Will's jazz going on in the background <laughs> and the whiskey on the table. We did see the poker cards already yeah. in this episode. Yeah. When, when they help uh, Riker and uh, and uh, Troy move out of their house, uh, they can have a game of cards. That's yeah. the, that's the <laughs> final moment. That's exactly moment. what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was so good. I mean, I'm guessing because of what Deanna says to Beverly, the theory that uh, we had the last week that Beverly could be a changeling is probably not the case. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, that... I think it's still a possibility that okay. a member of that table uh, could be a changeling. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Although, yeah. you're right, Deanna says that she can't read changelings, of course. Yes. So, mm. So if Beverly was just a blank void, mm, you know? That's right. Deanna would actually say that, but maybe she'd been overwhelmed by the darkness that she's feeling aboard it the ship. It could be that, yes, that. exactly, that she can't see. Yeah, and the wave of nostalgia yeah. that we're all feeling too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe. All right. But that theory might be off the table, but I don't want to be blindsided if that theory if that theory happens to be true and Beverly is, uh, is, is a changeling. Um, They're all changelings. Everybody there is a changeling. Everyone's a changeling. (laughs) Good stuff. That was my uh, medium moment for the episode. Excellent. Let's move on to our big moment, the Prime Directive. We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive. Let's discuss those ramifications. Mm -hmm. John, do you want to take us away with your big moment? I will. My big moment for the episode... I guess for Star Trek is f***ing solids. Um, I don't know whether I can say that. Oh, you've been bleeped, don't worry. Okay, grand, excellent. Um, But I just absolutely loved the resignation uh, of Vadik (laughs) saying that as she realises that she's been duped um, and as she gets sucked out into... Uh, outer space, uh, by the, by data effectively taking back control of the, um, the ship systems. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, I have to say, not only did she presumably freeze to death, she then shattered into a thousand, uh, pieces or more. I, I'm wondering if when some of them fall to a nearby planet, whether they will merge up like the T one thousand, you know. Where, you know, I kept thinking, is she truly dead? Yeah. Certainly, when she froze, and then I was like, oh no, she's shattered now. And quite frankly, not only shattered, but with the other side of uh, this equation is that her ship, the the Shrike, is also pretty shattered as mm-hmm. well from all the firepower of the Titan being uh, aimed uh, and fired at it. And so I guess she gets caught up in the explosion of their warp coil as well. So she also gets absolutely fried as well. So That could could have uh, melted the frozen pieces back together in space. Yeah, but then she would refreeze again. It's just an ongoing... It would just be a never-ending loop (laughs) of... It would be like sort of the the dinner that's constantly rewarmed mm. up. Um, so, yeah, I guess... Okay, we've um, been watching Yellow Jackets for the last couple of weeks, John. Uh, <laughs> that's obviously why that's in your head. Maybe. Uh. Um, so, yeah, I, I just... You know, to be honest, um, 
you know, I was not expecting that Vadik no. would be um, sort of dispatched mm-hmm. in this episode. Mm-hmm. I like the way that she was dispatched. I thought it was fitting. You know, yeah. she was hugely uncompromising and um, absolutely singularly focused on the destruction of um, the human race. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and sorry, not the human race on the destruction of Starfleet yes. and the Federation. So all the species mm-hmm. um, that make up the Federation. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think uh, it, it was, I guess, the sleight of hand in which it was done because I was absolutely convinced that what Jack had there was some kind of detonator. Um, Is it because we've seen that in Star Wars very often, the thermal detonator, that it looks really like a thermal detonator? And he has it armed, but he's holding it out in a way that doesn't suggest actually it's a pop-up force field. It's if, you know, if you try and force anything, you won't have me because I'll kill myself. I mean, that's effectively the play he's making here so that he can at least sort of extract the remaining members of the bridge crew sort of off the bridge so that they're yeah. kind of relatively safe. And really what he's saying to Vatic is, you've seen Star, Star Wars Return of the Jedi. You know that <laughs> moment where Princess Leia uses the thermal detonator to threaten Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. But so, yeah, it was, you know, I, I, I kind of liked... Uh, the way it was done because the you know yeah. initially you were just thinking and because i like the fact that it was slightly untold you know that we're going to do a plan here and initially it's just about you know breaking that firewall uh between data and law mm. in, in the golem body but that actually it's bigger than that it's just it was not revealed to us as the audience yeah. until it takes place so you exactly. know it's a it's a nice it's a nice surprise that happens because you know like I was saying at the start, you you really get that persuasiveness that comes from Vadik here. You know, saying you know she wants his gifts, mm. but you know as soon as she, she you know she's making that connection by saying you've heard the voices. Uh, are you not curious to see what's behind that red door? Mm-hmm. You know, she knows intimately about what he is. He is sort of feeling what he's seeing in these these memories, these visions. But it 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 feels like it's coming from her own personal experience, mm-hmm. and and so that immediately makes this connection. You know, it's taken him however long to to really open up about this to uh, Beverly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that that way of persuasion and and connection to draw him in it's a similar thing to the trick that's happening in the golem between data and law but also with you know this trick being played on on Vatic here and mm-hmm. um, that ultimately is her undoing uh, but yeah i i thought this was massive because i really enjoyed Vatic um i thought you know at least give her those multiple deaths of freezing um, and then shattering mm-hmm. and then being consumed by a warp coil uh, explosion. Uh, and of course, the the shrike going, I'm guessing either they had their shields down because they knew they had the upper hand mm-hmm. or whether Worf and Raffi did some jiggery pokery uh, <laughs> before they left yeah. in order to keep the shields down. Keep down but, the I, yeah. but I'm kind of, a, I, I think they thought you know, yeah. victory was theirs. Um, and so... Captain Vatic of the USS yeah, Titan. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Why, why would they put the shields up to her, you know? 
But yeah. uh, I I really enjoyed um, Shaw giving the the honor, the pleasure to Seven of Nine mm. and giving her her full title of Commander Seven of Nine yes. and using Seven of Nine as well mm-hmm. after their 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 whispers whilst being held hostage mm. are on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Just speaking of those whispers, just because we haven't talked about it, um, Shaw actually tells her she should have dropped the turbo lift, killing him in size. Yes. Um, and Seven had effectively said, I couldn't do that. Um, so she's saying that she chose his life over killing Vatic at that time. So uh, I thought that was a, there was an interesting discussion in, among the whispers there between the two. It was good. Well, they're almost having a full-blown argument, whis- uh, whispering mm. argument yes. uh, there, because he's like, yeah. you're a Starfleet officer. Yeah. You should have, you know, the needs of the many mm. outweigh the needs of the few. Exactly. Um, you one. should have dropped uh, the turbo lift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. Good stuff. Good point, John. Why, thank you. Chris, uh, what is your big momento for this episode? I'm going to go all seven. What's in the door? What's in the door? (laughs) Oh, they're stringing us along here. It's a microwave oven. (laughs) Ding! (laughs) Your dinner's ready. Um, Essentially, for me, the... I really, really, really just want to know now. Like, they're building <laughs> yeah. this up. And exactly, it's what they wanted to do. They're showing us the techniques Jack has. Everyone else seems to know, i.e. all the changing know. The enemy knows what Jack is, who Jack is. Mm-hmm. And they haven't, in my head, dropped enough hints or clues. No. No. <laughs> at no, all. they haven't. At all. Like, I, again... Like everyone, I've seen hundreds of different, like, oh, well, they they think it might be this, and this is another. Here's the proof. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So I'm going to throw out my idea. Okay. Uh, because I just want to add it to the pile. Because Deanna used a very specific term here. Mm-hmm. There's an evil. There's a darkness. Yeah. Yes. Now, we know one fluid, tar-like, oozy substance from the next generation okay. that was evil personified. Okay. That was literally the evil of a group of people stripped from them, turned into a oil tar like substance. Okay. Gooey substance. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. <laughs> no. I have forgotten. I that. do remember <laughs> a black gooey tar like substance, but I don't remember the name of Yes, Armus. Okay. Armus from the episode uh, where it's um, essentially uh, it, Lieutenant Yar gets kind of covered in it yes. to a point as well. This yes. is like, I, I mean, just checking, twenty episode 23 of the first season of Star Trek. That's where, and it is, that's where Lieutenant Yar died. Correct. I believe, yes. And we do see Lieutenant Yar in this in episode. In this episode. Do, of course, yep. In, the, like... This is a nice callback mm-hmm. to that character, to a thing that kind of connects a lot of the, the team, that kind of solidified them. It is a... Mm-hmm. Or liquefied them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a oozy-like substance. Mm. So what if this creature somehow, which is evil, just yep. pure evil, and the consciousness of hundreds and thousands of voices of people, a group of people, mm. merged or somehow collided with... The, this fraction of change because this creature hates the Federation. We even see in Lower Deck, uh-huh. in Lower Decks, they go and mess with this creature. Right. 
like and start calling a name and everything and he hates he screams at them mm-hmm. like this is actually like i was like oh this could make sense because it is also a change in like substance right it, it's oozy who knows i, I, I like the nice theory thing. i like the I like theory that. because in fact when you see vadic cut off her hand whilst there is the predominance of the changeling sort of fleshy color and the red mm-hmm. there is black mm-hmm. elements that are sort of behind that almost like sort of uh, you know edging it and, mm-hmm. and framing it so mm-hmm. um yeah i like that theory chris That's i interesting like that theory, chris. a lot i like it's the, tied yeah. directly back to next generation to a villain from the next generation mm-hmm. a villain that had impact on the team and more importantly, it just keeps calling back to this evil, this this horrible darkness that is in there. Uh, I don't know how it's connected to Jack, but this is the thing. The only, This is why we have so much speculation, mm-hmm. because unfortunately, they haven't given us a lot of the door. Like, they haven't kind of alluded to where like things that Jack might like what had might have happened to Jack is said that the the syndrome that him and Picard share was potentially misdiagnosed mm-hmm. is a telepathy a connection like it's just there's so few tidbits or kind of crumbs here i can see why everyone's kind of scraping because mm-hmm. we've all, we've got less than 2 hours like an hour and a half 2 hours less than 2 hours left yeah. for two yeah. episodes and they need to save Frontier Day and tell us who that thing is and then have the wrap-up. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oof, I know you'll do it, but That's like... Totally totally I mean, totally doable. That's totally doable. That's two full hours, an entire movie, Chris, length, I, to tell yes, us that kind I of know. story. They've got loads of time. I, Especially because they, they paused a little bit in this episode and last episode to have those reunion moments and uh, moments of nostalgia with the cast. So uh, it's all in now uh, for yes. saving Frontier Day and uh, learning who Jack is. Yeah, I mean... I think ultimately, in terms of may i I'm probably not as bothered by that uh compared to you, Chris, like I mean certainly not like what's behind the door i I think absolutely that's kind of i think you know they they've shown it, I think it's been heightened here with Vadic this time, I guess it's more that um a bit more explanation around jack actually because you know effectively this episode last episode both um ended with you know we will tell you the true nature of what you are you know yes i totally agree with you john yeah that's that's the cardinal sin here for me uh having a show that has the cliffhanger at the end of both episodes going I will tell you from all of my experience and i will help jack and tell him tell him who he is in last episode with Vadic, and then this episode having exactly the same, almost exactly the same final line yeah. from Deanna. I will use everything in my power. It's time you find out who you are. And I thought, ooh, there's another couple of minutes left in the episode. But they spend those couple of minutes getting to the red door and then close the, with the uh, with the closing credits. So I, I have no issue with this. This is the myst- one of the mysteries that needs to be solved. I totally get that. But ending at that point two episodes in a row yeah. i felt it's just a little bit too much it just yes. feels like you're stringing it along when you could have given a little bit more information you know give- certainly in the final moments of vadic you know mm-hmm. that she because in a sense you know that's where i thought it was going to come yeah i was kind of like waiting with bated breath you know to for when she kind of said it before she got sucked out yeah. um into space and then yeah it's kind of 
So it's almost three times, because then you have Deanna. I mean, possibly like that it's Deanna doing it rather oh, than Vazic, because, you know, I, I like the fact that they're both there in the corridor mm-hmm. um, to, to, to go through the door. But even if they just opened it and showed exactly. something. Can you imagine it was just like a person there? Like, okay, yeah. it, it's not going to be cute, but imagine they open the door and it's cute and you're like, oh my God. And then it's fade to black. Yeah, like, exactly. That's like, oh, but at the moment it's just like, oh, oh. But don't kind of give apocalyptic sort of feelings coming from the, the, the keyhole. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of open it, even if it's just like, destruction and the the the, yeah. the horse the horsemen of the apocalypse mm, uh, sort of Zool. trotting past or something <laughs> uh, you know i am yeah do you know what do you know what it's going to be if the door opened at the end of the episode it would just be another jack inside we'll explain next week because they're, they're they would do exactly the same thing so if the door opened it would have been jack on the other side looking a little more evil and then they'll explain next week who it is like it the, there was no way and they were going to do Wonderland. it in this episode. <laughs> there was just no way they were going to do it in this episode. They were going to end the episode the same way they ended last week's. But you're absolutely right, John. Um, I, I think it's a really good point. They're trying to make sure that every member of the original bridge crew on The Next Generation has a purpose here. And the failing of Deanna's character, unfortunately, a lot of time in The Next Generation, it turned into a joke in Galaxy Quest. One of the characters basically repeats what the computer says. Um, so a lot of time, that was Deanna's point. She would sit there and go, I sense something bad. And they're going, what, from the bad guy there pointing their weapons at us? Um, you know. Yeah. So a lot of people didn't know how to write Deanna's character back in the TNG times, uh, unfortunately, because she is a great character when she's written well. So having her using her abilities as a beta Z to talk to Jack, to put him in therapy effectively, to deal with this issue that he's known about all of his whole life. That makes loads of sense for using one of your major characters from the next generation. So I'm glad they are using Deanna to do that. Would have liked to see more this episode. Looking forward to seeing more next episode, of course. But you had to get her there. You had to to get her on board uh, the Titan to be able to do this. So I, I understand all the reason behind it. But yeah. I, I get why you're frustrated, Chris. Yeah. I had the same thing of uh, exactly as John said, getting to the end of the episode and going, oh, we still don't know who Jack is. And someone else is telling him, I'll tell you next week who you are, basically. Like, I'm just much. now worried for Deanna. Um, of course. Because I'm like, uh-oh, you know, is, is something going to happen to her? Mm. So I, I really hope not. I hope not. Oh, you could. You could easily have Jack go red-eyed and, like, t- snap her neck. Oh, but again, Chris. I don't think that would be like <laughs> that would be like a very extreme death. It's like, and then yeah, bye. That is true. There you go. Yeah, she did just resolve all of her issues with her husband. Yep, yeah. oh, perfect stop. time to yeah. do it. No, okay, yeah. stop it. Right. Yes, uh, let's move it let's in. Move on. <laughs> let's wait till the next episode, and if they don't do it next episode, and they leave us hanging again at the end mm. of the next episode, we riot. And then we. Move you see, on. I I don't know whether I I think next episode because they've got a. Save Frontier Day. I think it might be, you know, so penultimate <laughs> episode actually will be the cracker and the, it will sort of be Save, uh, Frontier Day. Hopefully get a bit of Janeway as well. Um, I don't know, to be honest, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the next two episodes. Yeah. Next episode, Frontier Day, finale, Jack, and then an ending. No, right. no, no. They have to resolve who Jack is so that they can save Frontier Day. Yeah. It has to be the other way around. It has to be in the penultimate episode that starts with this scene playing out and Deanna working with Jack to solve who he is and then 
Saving Frontier Day. It has to we'll be see. that. Please we'll be see. that. We'll see. We'll see. But <laughs> that's a whole episode away, a whole week away. Derek, do you want to tell us your top point for this episode? Yes, I do. There's only really one uh, other thing I want to talk about from the episode. It's just uh, data taking control or get, get yeah. coming back into control Absolutely. over Lore. You know, it was it was quite a big moment when we had Lore last week effectively teaming up with Vatic because he was like, well, enemies, enemies, my friend. Uh, <laughs> since you've locked me up here and, and I'm plugged into the computer system, well, I guess I'll shut all of you guys out. So uh, so I really like that. But um, I thought this was actually well structured what was happening between data and lore i thought it was really good because you effectively have this evil character not willing to give up control of the golem which is lore and then um laforge is depending on his best friend to find a way around what the much more powerful lore wants to do um lore is much more in control and because he's willing to use tactics that data would never use um he's most likely going to be able to wipe uh, data out from the memory banks of the, of the golem. But I like how it played out. I like the trick of it, um, which is effectively he's going back through all of his memories, all the most precious things in his life. You mentioned Tasha Yar, of course, the uh, the playing cards that he used to play poker with the with the bridge crew, all of those moments. His Sherlock Holmes pipe. Um, we've seen a little bit of that earlier on this season with uh, with Mariachi, of course. Yeah. Uh, which you know, all these all these little moments, which are great for fans, and again, moments of nostalgia for us, but all have a purpose here. They're all being passed over to Lore, and Lore is realizing that these are important things to Data, and therefore they become important to him. Which is a great twist as Lore takes all of these uh, these memories from Data. They then become Lore's memories. And therefore, he becomes more data than himself. Yeah. I really like that. Um, the final one, of course, because we're all cat lovers here. We have a cat on the front of our, uh, of TV podcast industries logo, um, <laughs> representing our cats. So I love that we had Spot, uh, yes. a little yeah. guest appearance. I presume it's not the original Spot. No, I wouldn't have thought it so. Be. It might Could be. be. You never know. Yeah. Never yeah. know. Cats do live a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had one thing that I was like, ah. Oh. I was expecting them to actually merge the character into a new personality almost. Mm-hmm. That's what I all, all thought they were going to do when they merged. And when you had the red and the blue, I thought we were going to get, rather than the blue taking over on the mm-hmm. screen, I thought we were going to get like almost a purple. Right. And you were going to get like before again, or like now, ever after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like some new <laughs> amalgamation of everyone. Now we yeah. do have that amalgamation. It's just that data is the primary kind of personality on top yes. of that and kind of the infrastructure. I can see why they did it. I know why they did it. It was a nice thing. It's a nice to have data back. Hmm. But I, for a split second, I did feel that's where they were going when they they started merging mm-hmm. the two of them into, and especially. But then it was when Lore went first. And data didn't go disappear. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay. They're just gonna his his memories and who Lore yeah. is has become part of data." Well, yeah. I mean, he he says, you know, you you've become me, yeah. as he says, you know, just before he says goodbye, brother, as as he sort of uh, dissipates mm-hmm. uh, in the Matrix, and uh, it was so. I, I yeah. I mean, it, it's more, and he does mention about you know, I'm not. He do, you know he does quickly say i'm not data data as we remember yes. from the next generation i've got these f- feelings emotions you know 
bits of information from all you know the before mm-hmm. law and so on they are a part of me now but, has, but yeah it's like yeah the main processing is 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 the data element because yeah. um you know like you say by giving him the gifts law became him they became important for law yeah. so you know law didn't have the same view of of trinkets, I guess. Um, the, yeah, you know, those yeah. relationships. I mean, he says that. He says yes. these are a form yeah. of weakness. Yeah. Um, and that's why I do like with Spot coming in where he says, even though Spot isn't human, mm-hmm. it is the one thing that probably made me most human. Yes. Yes. Made him respect to life. Um, yeah. Yeah. In the scheme of things, it's a very powerful memory that exactly. he's just given over. Exactly, yeah, really, really good. And and you're right, yeah, there is that moment where he's effectively saying, I am all of data, but now I'm also lore and before and all the knowledge that Dr. Sung put inside the golem. So he has access to all of those elements, but he is everything that was data before as well. I'm really glad they addressed the end of season one of Picard. Um, because that was a massively emotional moment when um when Data asked uh, Jean-Luc to uh, to end his life to finally uh, shut him down effectively so that he can experience death the one thing that he could never experience I love that they addressed it and the way they addressed it yeah. where he was saying but that did happen yeah. that's that's what happened to Data um, he's gone I'm here now in a different way he's in a different body he has other things to experience so um, so I'm glad that they addressed it in that way um, it would have been a very weird season if we didn't have data back by the end of the season given everybody else was returning so I'm glad they found a way to do it um, which made sense within the show but they also addressed the fact that we've had uh, an end to the data that we knew yeah. uh, back in the first season did a good job and again yeah. they decide yeah. to move forward with some of these characters not saying that they do, but if they do decide to mm-hmm. give, like, dead Brett Spiner may go, yeah, do you know what? I'll give me another couple of cameos. It allows you to move on and any inconsistencies yeah. from the data we knew, because as you said, to air is human and Brett Spiner is human, you, you can get it. Well, it's not data. It's data 2.0. Yeah. He's yes. a new data. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So he's an allied age as well, which is always important and uh, doesn't have uh, to put on the uh, very white makeup, uh, which I'm sure is very annoying um, for uh, for him to do this <laughs> yeah. this many years later. Uh, similar to, uh, obviously, uh, Jory LaForge uh, replacing his uh, his eye visor with uh, with much easier to wear contact lenses um, in order to continue working in Next Generation. So, uh, well, the Next Generation movies. Anyway, um, another great uh, character moment. I really enjoyed this. I, I like I like the this version of storytelling. It's a bit a bit more ethereal, uh, a bit more um, unusual the way they did this moment inside of uh, the Gollum, effectively. Uh, but I did really like it. That was yeah. cool. Good stuff. That's my major moment, and I think all of our Excellent. moments for the episode. Excellent, uh, gentlemen. Any notes for this episode? Um, I just have one note. Uh, it's just the little sort of bombshell that you get from Will Riker whilst uh, him and Deanna are in the cell, mm. uh, where you hear that, you know, and the reason why Vadik got uh, Deanna was uh, Will gives her. I think he calls them compromise codes, mm-hmm. um, so that she can, um, get control of, of the Titan in order to stop them from, uh, continuing their 
interrogation yes. slash torture of uh, Diana. So um, I like that. And then I like the little joke that it's not really a big thing because I'm confident that Picard will come up with a, you know, a whiz bang kind of plan that will yes. sort of undermine what Vadik is doing, which I guess if only he was on the bridge, he probably could have done. Um, mm. But but I, I love that it's like, ah, Picard will recognize those compromise codes yeah. immediately. And I'm sure he has the Titan well in hand right now as, uh, as all the bridge, or all the bridge crew of the Titan are on board being threatened by, uh, yeah, exactly. By it was a great joke, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but also what I love about it is that it didn't play out in any way whatsoever. <laughs> the code that uh, was given to override the bridge code had nothing to do with the compromise codes that uh, that Riker gave at all. There was nobody worked out what Riker's plan to help them save the Titan was. I know. How cool is that? Uh, it's so unusual. Uh, we we had it before, actually, in this season, didn't we? Uh, we mentioned it last week that there was a plan that um, that didn't play out. So, uh, so I, I like that they've done that here. Good stuff. Uh, I have no other notes, though, on the episode. Yeah, no notes from me, except very quickly to say that I'm really happy we saw uh, Tasha Yar. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. holographic form, it was nice to see. I know we were saying they may be able to use the changelings to bring in some extra kind of faces. Yeah, Didn't use it to bring in hers, but at least we got to see her, even in holographic form. It's yeah. been years since we saw her, just even on, like since the very first season. Yeah, yeah, I know she she did come back for one or two episodes, but not as Tasha Yar, of course. So, yeah. um, so yeah, great to great to see a little nod to her in there. I'm really sorry about this. We didn't get to watch the episode as many times as I normally would like to. Was Doctor Pulaski in the flashes from Data? So I just I think I might have missed her. The Doctor who replaced Beverly Crusher for a season on on Next Generation. We've talked about her before, but um, there's a great moment between the two of them where she um has a big sparring moment with uh, Data because she won't call him by the name Data. She will call him Data because that's how she pronounces Data. Um, so I was expecting that they might have done a callback to her, but I didn't see it in this episode. And I guess you guys didn't notice it. No, no I didn't. I see didn't. It either. Okay. Uh, I was hoping that we would see uh, Dr. Pulaski at least mentioned uh, in the episode. But hey, you never know. Still two more episodes to go. Exactly. But speaking of those two episodes, we need to get there. So let's wrap up, gentlemen. John, Mm -hmm. final thoughts on Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 8, Surrender. Yeah, I again, I'm really enjoying this season. really enjoyed this episode. I'd give it four early flights out of five for the old red eye. Um, Oh, very good. (laughs) uh, Yes, I I just really enjoyed it. I loved... um, and was sad to see Vadik go. I think great antagonist mm-hmm. um, here. Uh, loved how Vadik has been played by Amanda Plummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I just thought it was really good. If a little kind of abrupt and a, and a bit shocking, I, I wasn't thinking uh, it would be now that she uh, would uh, find her end. But certainly um, she would probably need to, to be ended a bit like as Picard said in in the mm. last episode you know yeah. the hate has filled her too much you yeah. know when they're sort of debating about whether um they would need to kill her having the next generation come back together again around the table in the ready room just really really good so cool. um glad we got to see Will and Deanna uh, on the Shrike I, I just thought this played out really well I think mm-hmm. there was lots of moving parts you know it was hugely tense in places Whatever about the darkness surrounding and forming around Jack, you know, I think that the episode was pretty dark uh, mm-hmm. with the 
execution of Lieutenant Tavin, but also really the slaughter of all the other remaining crew that mm. was happening right at the start. Yeah, you know, really um, data and laws sort of battle, uh, you know, really good as well. It's great just to have th- those moments with Data and-, and Geordie. So, like, this was hugely successful in that. I think the only thing that would pull me back from that and why probably just maybe dock half a mark, uh, in a sense, of mm. in my review, is because I would have liked a little bit of something. I mean... I- on on Jack Crusher, mm-hmm. yeah. even if it was tangential, and I think it would have been nice it coming from Vadic, other than effectively, you know, her sort of making that empathetic connection about the voices and the red door, sort mm. of understanding or knowing what um, the visions uh, are about and. and what he's seeing i think that would have been nice but i, I i'm intrigued with diana and um, sort of going with him mm-hmm. uh, on that journey uh, and i really hope she survives so yeah four early flights out of five uh from me great stuff derek what about yourself I love this episode. I know I picked a lot of the emotional moments between the cast, but I think the reason why was because I know you knew you guys were picking the uh, the other bigger moments from the episode, but I did really enjoy those as well. So uh, overall, I think this is a highly successful episode. Uh, really great what they're doing this season. Really great that they're, as I say, as I said many times already, that they're not just giving cameos to people that we want to see again, that everybody's getting a big moment. Uh, everybody's getting some great moments. We even had a wonderful uh, Raffi moment in this episode where yeah. she uh, got to fight against the uh, the changelings aboard the, the Titan. That was cool. Um, the Jack moment as well, when he was uh, when he was possessing one of the other members of the crew using his abilities and that crew member dies um, being shot by one of the changelings. I thought that was really affecting yeah. as well how much how, how difficult that must be for him when he's uh, trying to work out how to use those powers. I thought that was performed really well and, and, and looked really cool. Um, but yeah, overall, loved this episode. Really excited to see how they close out the season in the last two episodes. How about yourself, Chris? What was your overall thoughts for this episode of Star Trek Picard? I just, it was that last bit of what's what's in the box, what's in the door. Mm-hmm. That's a very much season-long question that's just been tantalized and tantalized, but not enough to form what I consider right now valid hypotheses in mm-hmm. terms of where they're going with the story. And that kind of both intrigues me and kind of worries me at the same time. So far, they have not give me enough to make me fully worry. I like I think that this will kind of not be landed. I think that they they've shown an understanding of the characters, understanding of the show, the the, the universe, and just good narrative chops enough to kind of deliver. So as we go into next week's penultimate episode, I think as long as they kind of give us some of the, the major beats that we need, i.e. Mm-hmm. start answering some more of the questions and then give us at least a good chunk of like 15, 20 minutes at the end of the actual finale to wrap everything up in a nice bow and not rush it. I think, I think we're in a good place, but for this episode in particular, I really enjoyed it. It's it kind of, we, we, it gave me data with a bit of humor and using contractions. Mm-hmm. So what more can you ask for? Always good. I know what we can ask for. We could ask for a drink. So, gentlemen, let's head on over to 10 Forward for the 10 Forward Pope Quiz. 
Yes, fellow Trekkies and Quizzers, welcome to 10 Forward, episode 8, so on to question 8. What are the digits of Picard's override code entered by the tactical officer Lieutenant Mura on the bridge of Titan as he is controlled by Jack Crusher? Mm, that should narrow it down a bit. Yes, so it doesn't need to be the full code, it's effectively the digits that are... Um, used by him because he doesn't quite succeed but whether that's because um he's just not pressed enter just i think yet. it is yeah i think it's, I I think think it's it is. So, a- yeah. authorized i think is the button that's lit up it is the code then. so if we have that code we could take over the titan we, we could. could or any starfleet ship i think yeah, does, does that card have a, an override code for every every starship i guess so i would say so as an admiral so exactly so eagle eyes viewers get pausing get writing those numbers down mm-hmm one more time, John, for those in the back who didn't quite understand. Yes, what are the digits of Picard's override code entered by the tactical officer, Lieutenant Moore, on the bridge of the Titan as he is controlled by Jack Crusher? Mm-hmm. Excellent. And don't forget to send all your answers at the end of the season into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com to be in a chance with some to win some Picard goodies. And again, if you really want a refresh of all the other uh, questions, you can head on over to the website, tvpodcastindustries.com, and they're all listed there. Mm-hmm. But I think we also need some feedback from our fellow Trekkers and Trekkies. Absolutely. First up, we have an email from Neil. And I'm really sorry, Neil. Uh, your email did come in in time for our recording last week, and I forgot to uh, to put it into our feedback uh, area. So my apologies about that. Uh, Neil says, hi, all. I've never listened to any podcasts before, but I'm really enjoying your Star Trek Picard Season 3 podcast and will definitely listen to your other ones. He has a bit of speculation about uh, potentially what's going on in the show. He says, I wonder if they've stolen Picard's body to get his DNA for his and Jack's medical condition and like how Starfleet gave a virus to the changelings, are they planning on infecting the solids with a deadlier version of the condition? Thank you again, Neil. That's quite an interesting theory, isn't it? Yes, uh, we do like a bit of speculation mm. and theorizing, Neil. Uh, and I, I mean, for sure, I mean, this this episode as well, we hear that they've actually taken out pieces of mm. Picard's frontal lobe. Mm-hmm. They're analyzing them. They have rakes and rakes of data on it so i I guess for the changelings or indeed this other entity Mm. uh revenge is a dish best served cold uh, and will give some of their own medicine that would be interesting yeah i I like that idea i I think maybe they're kind of doing something with uh picard's uh, syndrome and maybe it's a way to like give it to every biological species out Mm. there who has synaptic pathways and have to use them and turn them stupid or kind of accelerate it so that they have crazy form of dementia or something. Yeah. We'll see. Really interesting. Yeah. And that's awesome, Neil, that we're the first ever podcast you've listened to. Yeah. See, welcome aboard, every, Neil. Every podcast can be somebody's first. I'm glad you found us. Yes. And you're enjoying it. Even more so. Yeah. Absolutely. That's also very, very good. But great stuff. Thanks, Neil, for your feedback. We also got an email in from Virat who says, Hey, love the show. Listen to it every week. Two points to make. Both points I'm confused a little from the podcast and the show itself. First, 
If the Changeling stole the body to replicate a complete Picard to replace him at Frontier Day, wouldn't a replica scan as fake? Picard is a synth, and Starfleet knows this, right? Doesn't he scan as a synthetic? Um, second, isn't Vadic referring to the Deep Space Nine episode where Bashir and O'Brien steal the cure from Sloane's mind when saying it had to be stolen? I think she is crediting Odo for stealing it, but once the female changeling was cured in Deep Space Nine and Odo went to the Great Link to cure the rest, didn't they have the cure? Both points are confusions. Any further thoughts to clarify your point or the show's points would be helpful. Love the show, Virat. Uh, thanks so much, Virat, for the feedback. Mm-hmm. I think um, on the first point, Picard is a synth, but mm-hmm. they are fairly indistinguishable. So it depends on the, um, the the type of scanning, whether they are scanning at a level that could pick up a synth. Um, so They'll be scanning for whatever Picard is is now and yes. we kind of did laugh a little bit in season one when picard was put into this this new synthetic body the golem and they kind of yada yada away the explanation but they said you are exactly the same picard as you were before in this new body which is no longer your organic body but it's pretty much the same thing you'll still die when you were supposed to die but you won't die of aromatic syndrome so they kind of glossed over how close this body is to Picard's real body. That's why it looks the same. That's why it's the same age as his body. That's why it will continue to age, just like the actor will continue to age. Um, So they did kind of say, this may not scan like a traditional synthetic because it's so highly advanced. There's only, it's one of a kind until there's a new one now for data. It's one (laughs) of a kind, Um, but it won't scan as a synth. But I presume what Picard was saying was that they'd set up the security measures with that body in mind, with that synthetic body or that uh, golem in mind. So it had to be exactly the same as that. So the show was speculating that that's what they were doing. We were also speculating that that's what they were doing. And it turns out now in this episode, that's not what they were doing. They They were actually doing experiments on the body to take the aromatic syndrome from it. Yeah, they wanted what's in his mind, his oh, mind. Yes. What's dest- what was destroying his mind and what was killing him at the time? Yeah. On the other point, that's a really, really good point for us. Um, yes, I absolutely remember that's how Deep Space Nine closed out with Odo going to the Great Link to cure the rest of the changelings. I wasn't sure of the exact details of who stole the uh, the cure. Um, but you're, I, I'm sure you're right on that, that that's, uh, that that was, uh, from Bashir and O'Brien. Um, but I would say Vadik may not be the most reliable of narrators in what she believes happened. So it may be her belief. It, remember, she is full of rage and full of revenge for what happened to her people in the first place for them being given the virus in the first place. So maybe that might be, might explain the inconsistency, but otherwise, You've caught a really good inconsistency. No, I did, yeah, I think it's also it's just more the the well, it's vic- uh, history is written by the victors. Hmm. So slightly, That's what she, she's says, kind yeah. Of, yeah. she is saying, yeah, like you, you're telling us that we don't believe that, yeah. and they didn't get the cure because they weren't part of the 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 link because they were in test tubes, hmm. they were prisoners of war being tested on. So again, I think there's additional fractures on her memory and her because you hear when she's sitting on a test tube for years yeah. or for for a period of time excuse me yeah. she is 
it's coming in and out, and that's how she hears the song and things. Mm-hmm. So I think good, good, like actual inconsistency. Yet it, it is a kind of it is that, but I think it's also the, the, the who is telling us that yeah. and what, the way they're saying it is kind of you're expected to be, understand there's an inconsistency. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And and she's right. For her, her experience yeah. and the experience of the other changelings is they were not given a um a cure for the virus. They were brought aboard day strip station and brutally tested on for decades. Yeah. So um yeah, so it's a it's a really interesting point though, Vera. Thank you so much uh for your thoughts and thanks for uh, for listening along with us for the Star Trek Picard podcast. Yeah, thanks for us. I hope yeah. we've explained at least what we were coming from or where we were coming from. Yes. Thanks for that. Um, over on Facebook, the last piece of feedback comes from Jamie Lawton, who had this speculation about Jack. With the red eyes, I think Jack is being possessed by a path wraith. And with the wealth of past characters from the various other shows, I am thinking that the hand-head communicating with Vadic could be Ducat trapped in the fire pit in Bajor. Wow. Interesting stuff. Yeah. I know Ducat. I know who that is. Yeah. I don't know what a path wraith is. Is this a, like, yeah, this is one where I'm like, uh, which one? <laughs> yeah, the power rates always used to confuse me watching Deep Space Nine. They were effectively the villains uh, that were the opposite of the prophets inside the wormhole. So the prophets are who the Bajorans, the planet of Bajor, all of those people, that's who they worshipped. Mm-hmm. And their enemies were the power rates. Apparently, they were originally very similar species to uh, to the prophets, but another breakaway faction there. But I can kind of see it. They're they're non corporeal beings. Um, they can possess. So I can really see this as a as a yeah. potential, Jamie. Yeah. Um. Again, something else coming from Deep Space Nine. You know, we have uh, we have the the changelings here, who are major villains within uh, within Deep Space Nine. So the idea that the power rates could have returned here, um is a really interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It might explain the fiery glow as well coming through the keyhole uh, that we mentioned uh, around possibly something to do with Bajor and the fire pits on Bajor. And that's potentially Ducat yeah. behind that door. Can you imagine if the door opened and Gul Ducat happened to be behind it? That would be very yeah. cool. Um, yeah, that would be pretty awesome. But again, that may be very deep in lore um of uh, of deep space nine so um they could do it though you could with wharf being there yeah like wharf gives you that shorthand outside Absolutely. of oh my god that's such and such yeah. oh my god that's the the <laughs> the wraiths like you could you could get a bit of basil exposition from wharf in a very wharf way yeah um i liked it i hadn't heard of this and i, I Really, though, like now, now you're saying it. I'm like, well, that's, that's a secondary one. That's uh-huh. a secondary option. Yeah, and, no, it, and knowing that Captain Cisco is with the prophets, um, another reason that we could have Captain Cisco back to fight the power. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I still don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but we we still would still love believe. another reason. Another reason for it to happen. Uh, great stuff. We are recording a little bit early this week, uh, which is why we have no feedback on uh, episode eight. Uh, but please get your feedback into us for any thoughts that you have on episode eight of Star Trek Picard uh, to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries where you can leave your thoughts on the spoiler post. Uh, that'll be up right now for episode eight. 
Yes, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you stay subscribed to the podcast. And if you're enjoying what you hear, why not share it with your friends? Because sharing the podcast is what, gentlemen? Sharing the love. It is, absolutely. Sharing and the love. And if you really like what you hear, you can support us by heading on up to patreon.com slash Industries, where... You can support us for a single galactic credit, an ongoing amount of your choice. It is there. But if you want to do a one-off donation, like some offering to these pal rates and these other more beneficial, benevolent guys in the wormhole, you can offer to the profits, probably not the pal rates. Oh, okay. yeah, if you want absolutely. to offer to the profits, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI, where you can do a one-off offering to the profits. We'll be back next week with the penultimate episode of Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 9. Your feedback for the show and the next question on our 10 forward pub quiz. So make sure you join us for that. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us for our podcast about Picard this week. We'll speak to you again next time. Yes. Uh, thank you so much, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, for joining us. Uh, can't wait to speak to you next time. Uh, but until then, keep watching, keep listening, and keep trekking across the universe. Bye. 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 Bye.